Hi, I'm Brian Strauss, co-founder of Demand Collective and host of the Collective Wisdom podcast. Collective Wisdom is a demand generation podcast brought to you by Demand Collective, a hyper-vetted community of demand gen and revenue marketers. Apply to join online at demandcollective.io. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. I'm with Steve Armenti. He is the Group Marketing Manager for Global Demand Generation for Chrome and Android at Google, arguably one of the most recognizable brands on the planet. So no introduction needed for Google. How are you doing today, Steve? Hey, thanks, Brian. I'm, I'm doing incredible. It's, uh, it's a sunny day here in Colorado. It's Friday. The weekend is near. No complaints. Super, super excited to talk to you today. Um, we're, uh, talking to you from sunny San Diego for demand collective. Um, so what, maybe, maybe run us through a little bit of your story, Steve, I saw on your LinkedIn, you know, you started off as an inside sales rep in college, kind of figured out, Hey, I don't know if I want to do it this way. And kind of said, wait a minute, there's this marketing journey that sort of takes that at scale. And maybe you could run me through how you got from, from point A to point D there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's still actually like pretty crisp in my memory. You know, I graduated college and had a I had a, a a bachelor's in marketing. You know, like I was ready to go. I was like, here I come, marketing world. I'm I'm primed. And I hit the job market, and it's like I can't get a marketing job at all. I couldn't even get a low level marketing associate job, and so. You know, I was moving in with friends, rent was due, and I was like, okay, there's all these sales jobs, and ended up landing, a, you know, basically an SDR or a BDR type role at a travel software company outside of Boston. And uh, I don't know how I lasted two years, but it was a, it was like a, a, you know, it was a transformational moment because I don't think I'd even be where I am now or have the mindset I have now if I hadn't started in sales. So it's one of those things where at the time, you know, I was I was cursing it because it was tough in making 100 phone calls a week to CFOs and like VPs of finance and and controllers and stuff. And I mean, you know, it, it just teaches you some some grit and, and uh, hardens your skin a little bit. You're just constantly getting rejected. And, you know, I, no offense to like accounting and finance people, but but they're hard to talk to, especially on the phone when you're cold calling. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I was in this job just grinding literally Monday through Friday, 100 calls a day, trying to set up appointments for our like regional sales rep. And I, I figured out along the way, I was like, man, this just making phone calls all day is, is not working. You know, I'm just getting hung up on left, left and right. And this was when Salesforce as a CRM was a pretty new concept. And so I was going through Salesforce and I'm getting tasks pushed to me on a daily basis. I'm like, why do I sit here and just react? Why don't I proactively set up communications? And so I started doing that. I started playing around with like email communications. And I started, I'll never forget the first thing I did was I clicked my whole contact list and I blasted every single one of them with the same exact email. And like almost instantly my boss comes over and is like, what are you doing? And you know, <laughs> you would never do that today. And so, you know, I, I quickly evolved and was like, okay, I need to 
like, I need to tailor this down. And that, you know, in today's world, that would be segmentation, personalization, right? And so I was actually exporting lists of my contacts, organizing them by industry, the last time I reached out to them, their location. And then I would just start kind of like A-B testing my own emails. I'd send this group, this type of email, that group, that type of email, started to see what would come back. And over time, I basically stopped making phone calls and I was only sending emails and they were, they were so effective. I, w I had this strategy where I'd talk to my sales director and I'd say, Hey, where do you want to go? Like pick a spot on the map. Where do you want to go? And then I target all these emails. And what I would write is, Hey, my, you know, my chief, whatever is going to be in town and he has one more meeting spot. He would love to meet with you and your company. And I'd send that email to, you know, however many hundreds of people and I'd get all these replies back and, uh, you know, it was just me sort of tinkering and figuring it out. And, and I later learned that that's marketing, right? That's marketing uh, automation. It's marketing ops. And so that that sort of opened me up to what marketing is and created a bit of that passion for for wanting to pursue marketing. Yeah, I can imagine. That's like, um, I'm sure that that has impacted sort of how you view marketing as a whole, right? Because it's I feel, and maybe, I don't know if you, if you feel differently or not, but I feel like some of the best marketers I know began in sales. Mm -hmm. And I think that's some, some, some really, um, really relevant experience that puts you on the other, other side of things. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there, there's two things that come to mind is one, I think oftentimes, especially as you grow in your career and you work for bigger companies you're so far removed from the customer, like the actual person, right? And that's sales is the opposite of that. You're so connected to the customer. So if you never learned how to actually talk to that end customer and hear their pain points and hear their rejections and everything, uh, I, I think you're at a disadvantage. And then the other part is it, I, it, it's helped me talk to sales, right? Like I can go into sales conversations and be like, hey, I've been in your shoes. I get it. You know, it, it, it's tough. And so it's a win-win, right? Especially in, in a demand gen type role, sales is your most important stakeholder. So you need to know how to talk to them. You need to know what, what keeps them up at night. And, and you're there as a counterpart, a partner to try to help solve problems with them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that buys you a lot of credibility when you're able to go, listen, I've made the, the, the cold calls. I've gotten yeah. the hangups. I've gotten the screw yous, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Do you, do you ever feel like, like, you know, in terms of how you collaborate with sales, given your previous experience in sales, do you ever feel like it becomes a sort of like, like I know on for, for me, for example, right, I take more of a hybrid approach to ownership when it comes to working with sales. Instead of saying, I'm just going to strictly blast marketing emails and then take attribution credit, I go, cool, let me help write some of your cadences and sequences. So we're aligned on messaging and you know really work together as one revenue or do you take like a similar approach or how do you how do you handle that yeah i mean today yes uh i'd be lying if i said i always did that i think you know the my mindset has shifted quite a bit over the last probably two three years where it, it used to be marketing does this and sales does that right and then after so many years of looking at it and saying you know why isn't this working it it's right there in front of you like punching you in the face it's like it's because you're not working well together it's like the left hand and the right hand don't know what each other are doing and so you, you absolutely have to know how to talk to your counterpart and, and work with them and so I've completely changed my tune and have gone from kind of the you know the, the marketing silo sales silo type of mindset to a 
a joint mindset. And, you know, in my current role now, we do like joint planning together with sales. We build OKRs with sales. Uh, I talk to sales more throughout the week than, you know, I probably do my own team. I mean, we're just, we're just so connected now and it's, it's had a really profound impact one on the results and the performance and all that stuff, but just on the, the collaboration, you know, you go into things looking at them as opportunities to solve problems and improve and make things better versus, you know, the, the, the typical marketing is like, why aren't you, why are you opening up deals and why aren't you calling these MQLs and stuff? And sales is like, cause they're garbage. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're sending this crap, right? You go back and forth. As soon as you get away from that, then you start uncovering like, well, what is the real problem? It's, it's, you know, the MQLs might actually be garbage. And you, if you don't want to hear that, then you're, you know, you're at a disadvantage, right? You're, you're missing a, a big opportunity to maybe go upstream and start tweaking and optimizing some things and, and actually getting some wins. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really great point you bring up on the the MQLs, right? That's like such a hot topic of, of, you know, is it the MQLs themselves so much as, or so much as, as how we define them, right? Like, I think the biggest challenge, and let me know if you disagree here, is we're stuffing the pipeline full of junk, right? We're trying to meet certain numbers and in, and we're looking at it from top down instead of bottoms up. Right. So we're not we're, we're saying, uh, you know, we want to get to, you know, let's for the sake of easy math, five million revenue. And we know things, you know, convert at X percent, except that percentage is driven way down by all of the junk we're stuffing in there. And so yeah. instead of focusing on the high intent revenue opportunities, we're focusing on just stuffing, meeting that top level number. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's like the, the beginning. Right. And if you're in that spot you start to peel the onion back a little bit. And, you know, for me, some of the experience has been, well, you know, we're in that spot. Why is that? And a, a big one has been the, you know, the, the goals or the KPIs or like basically the incentives of the team, right? And if marketing is incentivized to drive MQLs, because that's what they're going to put in their QBRs and their their reports to their leadership, then yeah, they're going to do that, right? And <clears throat> to your point, like it's so, it's manufactured, right? Like, the especially if the demand team controls lead scoring and like all the automation and stuff too like i joke around all the time where people are like how many mqls are we going to get this quarter and i'm like how many do you want because i can make it. I can give you yeah. one i can give you a million like it all depends on 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 all of that you know infrastructure and so yeah it's it's like a I think today, like mqls there's all sorts of talk about this but it's like there's got to be a different way it's not MQLs are too broad, right? And just being like, yeah, these are these are sales ready. Give them a call. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I think some of the biggest mistakes I'm seeing when it comes to that is one, I love, you know, you're aligned on 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 creating and setting your OKRs with sales, right? Working as a singular revenue org, super important. Um, but then also uh, 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 being aligned on your account list right now i know i'm sure it's a little different given the nature of your role but at least in like b2b for example we have to focus on the same accounts there's such a finite like known universe for who you're targeting and you don't have sales and marketing going after the same people and that creates an issue i think a misalignment on objectives on messaging on you know on on expectations for conversions yeah 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 and so um yeah, I should say, so, you know, in my past experience had done all sorts of B2B, like demand consulting for big tech companies and stuff. Yeah. And then 
even now at Google, it's always been B2B. Uh, I've worked on Google Cloud, Google Workspace, and now the enterprise versions of, of Chrome and Android. And so you talk about account lists, that in itself is, is a whole exercise in, in like efficiency and precision because you can half-ass that and be like, yeah, we have target account lists and we're doing like ABM and everything, but, but, but you're not. You know, like you, you need to your point, you can't just throw that over the fence and be like, these are the accounts we're gonna target. You need to work hand in hand with sales of who's on that list, why are they on that list? How are we gonna segment that list, maybe prioritize or you know, tier that list maybe, uh, and then work together to figure out like, okay, what is marketing's role in that list, right? And like, I'm thinking of, of a moment, like we got ourselves in trouble where we had one of our like top tier, top five customers on the target account list. Mm -hmm. There was no alignment between marketing and sales. We started blasting this account with like awareness type marketing messages. The CIO reaches out to sales is like, why are you inviting me to sign up for a free trial for this product? Like we are a massive customer, you know, and like that stuff happens and the stakes get real when, you know, a big customer is getting pissed like that. And so, yeah, yeah you, you got to have alignment on it, you know, and you got to go, got to go deep on asking kind of why you have that list and what's the approach on it. Yeah. Yeah. So there, yeah. One of the biggest misses I see is I think people when putting together these lists often think about who they want as a customer, as opposed to who's most likely to become a customer. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What, what's your approach to, to how you, how you uh, decide on who's going to be a most viable prospect? Yeah, I think that's interesting. And, and this is a place where I think technology is getting better at helping us where, mm -hmm. you know, you could imagine say a target account list of 10 years ago was probably the, the demand gen person and the salesperson sitting down and like, you know, looking at some, some list of companies and trying to handpick brands and stuff. And now I think, you know, you, you nailed it. It's like, it's not just who do you want as a customer? It's like, who is most likely to get value from your product or service? And that's, that's where you go a little bit deeper. And I think this is where stuff like intent data third-party data and, and some of the like lookalike technology, I think actually does help here because, you know, let's say your approach is um, you're, you're out there marketing specific solutions or something, and you're trying to cater your message to certain companies. You need to know the, the probability that those companies could leverage that solution. And that's where I think, you know, some of the like tech install data you can get today, it'll show you competitive solutions they have in place give you enough of an insight that like, okay, yeah, they're, they're probably running some kind of collaboration software or some kind of marketing automation software. So we can now cater that message, but that almost becomes the criteria for getting on the list, right? Just, yeah. just because you're in like the fortune 1000, that's a lazy way of building an account list, right? I mean, you and all your competitors are doing the same thing. So, so like get more creative. Right, right, right. So how do you, you, you manage what a team of 10 plus people, I think I saw. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'm lucky. I have, uh, basically a full stack team. So we're, we're, we're website, we're, uh, field marketing campaigns, like all acquisition paid media stuff, marketing operations and data analytics, um, as well as a little bit of CRM and email. And so one of the nice things about that is like, it's all under one roof. So yeah. it, it forces us to work together. Right. And I think, I think the, the like sort of North star demand programs are the ones that work together. And having been in roles where you got a campaign team over here 
And then you may have got an ABM team and then like a field team and they're all just like doing their own thing. And yeah, they say they're, they're working off of the same count lists and stuff. I mean, it's totally disjointed and, and your customers notice that it's not coming out as fluid as it could. So, uh, you know, having all those in, in one place has been massively helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you have left hand, right hand, other left hand, other right hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 You got like eight hands all doing their own thing. Yeah. So you, after after you you know moved away from sales you from what i saw you got into more of content track right content marketer um what sort of inspired that pivot yeah yeah this i think a little bit by accident but uh basically the 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 way i got out of sales was by creating my own experience mm -hmm. so i had had this job for about 2 years it actually moved me out to California, which was an awesome experience. And so I'm super grateful for it. But, I, you know, I still was like, man, I want to do this marketing stuff. And I still couldn't get a marketing job because all I had was sales experience. So I actually started a website with my brother. We launched it. We started pushing like social media, uh, like big SEO and like affiliate marketing and, and stuff. And we were uh, we were kind of like a barstool sports type of website. Um, you can you can tell who won. I mean, this thing is like dead and gone. It's it's awful, but it was good enough that I put it on my resume and then got a job. And so I think the 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 connection there was, you know, my brother and I we were writing all this content, editing it, doing SEO, and figuring out WordPress and web strategy and inbound and all that. So it, it kind of felt like a natural fit because content, I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of new. I get this. And like social media was really big at the time. And every brand, what did they need? It was content, right? They needed something to say on social. So I ended up at a, a content marketing software company. They, they're just building content at scale with a network of writers for huge, huge brands. And it was, it was incredible because even though you know, I was in content and we were like leading these strategic discussions on content. The next step in the conversation is like, where are you using the content? And then that's when the demand came into play. And it's like, oh, we're pushing it through all of our advertising. It's going into emails. You know, we need ebooks and research papers and stuff. And so it started to become more of consulting brands on their demand strategy. And then content mm -hmm. was like how, how you actually execute it. Um, so it was, it was really fascinating for me. And I think with content, the, the, my favorite learning from all of this is, is, is how to communicate and like how to tell stories. And that's a little bit of the art and science in my mind is like a good demand marketer is tactical and is operational and knows data and stuff. But if you can also tell a good story and recognize a good story and you can combine those things together, like, man, you'll, you'll crush it. Like you, you're, that skill set is uh, it, it's really rare. And, and so that's, you know, having been in that space a little bit, I, I still try to bring that forward. It's like, mm. you can't just be all like zeros and ones all the time. You know, you've, yeah. you've got to like bring a little human into it and some storytelling. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah, coupled with the sales experience, I think being able to recognize a story and to pull it together, the sort of underlying thematic elements for like a broader narrative, I think is really a compelling tool in the demand gen uh, uh, arsenal. Um, do you have any particular places that you look to towards inspiration for, for good stories for stories for campaigns or just something that makes you go, you know what, I can do something like that, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I think the, the obvious one is, uh, I, I pay attention a lot now on, on LinkedIn and how like 
the the sort of influencers are communicating and i think the the good ones are doing this in in a story format they're they're making a point but they're using metaphors and like anecdotes from their personal life or or from, from elsewhere to try to make that that point so i, I find that interesting because it's like it's quick right you can like read some of this stuff really easily but I, I honestly think the the best sources of inspiration are the, the ones you don't think of. Yeah. Uh, like I love like animal documentaries and like outdoor documentaries and stuff. And I yeah. sit there and watch those things and I'm like, you know, th- this this uh, the person narrating is they're incredible storytellers. I mean, just just think about it for a sec. They, they're telling stories about like animals in particular. Right. They're probably not even true. But they're, they're so captivating and they're so inspiring that you're just like you're glued and you're sucked in. And so it just makes me think, like, how can how can a brand or a product or a service do that? And it's it's it comes down to a lot of the fundamentals that we forget. It's like, how do you communicate with people? How do you connect? How do you understand their pain points and their needs? And then you're positioning yourself within their world. Right. If you just come in and you're just, you know, bragging about yourself and how great you are and this and that then you're just noise, right? You need to be, you know, kind of personal to them. So yeah, I don't don't know. I, I, I may may be odd in this sense, but yeah, I get my inspiration from like weird, weird places. No, I think that's probably where some of the most compelling ideas come from, right? Like I think one of the challenges right on LinkedIn, you know, you mentioned LinkedIn and there are a lot of really great creators doing a lot of really great stuff. You know, I look to a lot of the work that like Mark Huber and Jason Whittup did at Metadata, like Refine Labs, obviously leaders in the demand gen yeah. space. Um, but then you have a lot of noise, right? And you have a lot of sort of like pseudo SMEs. And, uh, you know, the, what's that joke that people always make? Like I st- I was on my way to a job interview and I stopped to help a dog. The next day, the dog was the interviewer, you know, like sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But when you find the gold, you really find the gold. And you mentioned speaking in, you know, being in the world of the customer, of the prospect, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the most important thing for any any demand gen campaign. How do you currently put yourself in those shoes? How do you find, like, what's the taxonomy and sort of the lexicon for these prospects? And how do you get there? Yeah, yeah, it's such a good question. And I, I probably don't have... The best answer because it, it's ongoing it's it's always evolving but i think i think the question in itself is is sort of the the calling right like you you, you need to try to figure that out do your best to try to figure that out and uh you know i think for me it starts with like it starts with a little bit of empathy i, I like i like some of the design thinking processes and like some of the the kind of like more like ux type processes to understand your customer i think having that baseline or, or just good old-fashioned research is is yeah. helpful you know it can kind of like put you in their shoes but then you know more operationally from a uh from a demand perspective there's actually like three pillars in how I've, I've organized this is you know you start with your accounts and then you start with your personas and then you start with your segments and so across those three things it's a mix of like demographics firmographics psychographics and so you're you're figuring all that stuff out along the way. And ultimately it's a funnel, right? You might have 5,000 accounts you're targeting, but you only have a handful of personas. And those are, those are really the, you know, the characters in your story that, that you're trying to, to reach and you're trying to connect with. And then the segments are like the different flavors, like the different slices of that persona. Cause you might have 
um, you know, especially in B2B, let's say the CIO is your persona, right? Everybody's targeting the CIO right now. And CIOs are built differently. They're all, they're all different, right? So that's where your segments come in. And it's like, you, it, it's so interesting because you could segment based on some of the like hard facts of like, oh, they're located here. The company size is this. They have, you know, this amount in funding or, you know, whatever it is. But then I think now you're starting to see some of these tools that are segmenting by like, like psychology attributes and stuff. And it's like, oh, are, are they risk takers? Are they innovative? Do they like humor? Are they like into fitness and stuff? And it's really wild because if you have that data, we could, we could talk about the accuracy of that. But like, if you had that, imagine how much more powerful your campaign could be trying to connect with them, right? And it's like, yeah, now understand this person a little better. And to your point about the LinkedIn influencers, there's going to be the ones that do good with that. And then the ones that just do bad, right? They'll, they'll abuse it. And they'll be like, you know, our, our product is like the, the barbell of whatever. And it, it'll be like really cheesy and, and turn people off. But, yeah. you know, the ones that try to connect, I think can do well with something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, sincerity goes a long way. You know, yeah. and uh, personality types. Do you happen to know your uh, what's it, Myers Briggs? Oh man, no, I I did at one point. Uh, I know that I'm uh, typically like a conflict averse type person, but mm-hmm. I also fall in the the traits of like being very disciplined and like very reliable and dependent and stuff like that. That's what I remember from the last time I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those things are always fun slash awkward you're with like a team of 10 people and you're like you know having an introspective of who you are as a person oh yeah looking at yourself can be hard right i think i crack up because i like i got i took that test i think the last time i took it was a couple of years ago mm-hmm. but i cracked up because i got the campaigner and i was like let's go Born yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you put it right into like your linkedin profile you're like yeah I'm oh, yeah but i appreciate you taking the time today to chat with us steve um demand collective thanks you um and hopefully we're uh we'll uh look forward to to seeing more of what you do in the future yeah awesome yeah i appreciate it brian this is fun thanks steve